this hour, we are going to look at the theme, Mother's Love. And we'll take the text from, from the book of Genesis 27, 1 to 46. And before that, I would like to introduce the topic in the first place, which is the time we are in. On, I think on March 8th, every year, the world celebrates International Women's Day. It is a global celebration of the social, economic, cultural, and political achievement of women. It is also a day that marks a call to action for promotion of gender equality. It is an annual event that has been around for well over a century with the first gathering held in 19, 1911. The campaign team for this year was chosen to, as, as a, uh, choose to challenge. And according to the campaigners, a challenge world is an alert world. And um, the challenge brings about change. Purple, green, and white are the colors that symbolizes International Women's Day. Purple signifies justice and dignity. Green, hope. White stands for purity. The colors originated from the Women's Social and Political Union, WSPU, in the UK in 1908. However, this morning we are not looking holistically at International Women's Day and events, but specifically on mother's love. Um, go with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis 27. Genesis 27. from verse one, and it says, now it came to pass, Isaac was old and his eyes were dim that he could not see, that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, and he answered him, here I am. Then he said, behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt games for me and make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebecca was listening. Sorry, hold on a second. I'm having a listening. When Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebecca spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, indeed, I had your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, bring me game and make a savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go down to the flocks and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loved. Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat, and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is hairy man, and I am smooth-skinned man. 
Perhaps my father will fail me and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go, get them for me. And he went and get them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made a savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skin of the kids of the goats on his hand and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and bread which he had prepared into the hands of her son, Jacob. So he went to his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son, Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hand. So he blessed him. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. He said, bring it near to me and I will eat of it, my sons, I will eat of my son's games, so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field, which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dews of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's son bow down to you. Cause be he, be any, everyone who causes you, and blessed be those who bless you. Now, it happened. As soon as Isaac has finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob has scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And, the father, and his father Isaac said to him, who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, and said, who, where is the one who hunted game and who brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came and I have blessed him and indeed he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the word of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me also, oh my father. But he said, your brother came with deceit and he has taken away your blessing. 
And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. And now, look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master. And all his brethren I have given to him as servants. With grains and wine, I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O my father. And Esau lifted his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwellings shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother, and it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. 41. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessings with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my fathers are turned, then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the word of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, surely your brother Esau's comfort, Esau comfort himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be, be bereaved also? of you both in one day. And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like, this, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Amen. It is <clears throat> a very lengthy passage. But um, each time I read this, I always feel, you know, somehow connected. I really feel for Esau. But the thing is that before we go into details, today, being Mother's Day, provide us with opportunity to thank and appreciate our mothers, our wives, sisters, aunts, daughters, etc., for what they stood for and their courageous, God-given roles in our lives. And for us to understand the love of mother, we need to know first what a mother truly means. The difference between mother and a woman. The importance of mother in a family. These are the things that we need to understand in order to, in order to understand the true meaning of mother's love. And we start by definition. Mother refers to the female parent of a child. Mothers are women who inhabit and perform the role of bearing some relationship to their children, who may or may not be their biological offspring. Your mother is the woman who gave birth to you. You can also call somebody or someone your mother if she brings you up as if she was this woman. You can call your mother, mother. But when we look at it from, from the Bible, 
from the scripture's perspective, motherhood is one of the most important functions in the life of many women the Lord had assigned to them. In his letter to, the, to Titus, Paul the Apostle said that women are assigned to love their children, to love their husband, be pure-minded, accurate, caring, caring of the home, kind and dutiful to their husband. If you go with me to the book of Titus chapter two, Titus two, three, three, three to five. He says, the older women likewise, that they be reverence in behavior, not slanderous, not giving to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the younger, the young women to love their husband, to love their children, to be discreet, just, homemaker, good, obedience to their own husband, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. In other words, he referred, this passage referred to older women, their responsibility, that is being a role model to the younger women. Seeing what their life has been, how they have built their home, how they have loved their children, how they have loved their husband, how they have you know, performed their, their duties at home as mothers, that they might be role model to the younger ones. This particular passage is a good mother Bible verse. No, one of the most meaningful for the understanding of the importance of a wife and mother in a family and her role in it. A mother is the protector, a disciplinarian and a friend. A mother is a selfless, loving woman who must sacrifice many of their wants and needs for the wants and needs of their children. A mother work hard to make sure their child is equipped with the knowledge, skill, and ability to make it as competent human being. And being naturally closer to her children, mothers understand their proper needs, their strengths, and their weakness. In the account of our main texts, Many of us sees Rebecca as a partial and biased woman who loved one, one of her children and hate the other. But before we make such judgment, we need to understand why she had to take such seemingly deceptive stand. And if you can flip back, flip back to Genesis chapter 25, Genesis 25. Genesis 25, we, start, we read from 19 to 34. It says, this is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife, the daughter of Bethel, the Syrian of Padan, Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea and Rebekah, his wife conceived. But the children struggled together within her and she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. 
And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they call his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And, and Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright, <coughs> excuse me, as of this day. And Esau said, look, I am about to die. So what is this birthright, uh, birthright to me? Then Jacob said, said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank and arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So one thing we should note here is Rebecca knew each of her children better than anyone, including the husband, Isaac. Most importantly, she understood the perfect plan of God for each of her children. She was the one that God handed the blueprint and was commissioned to implement it. Isaac was her husband and the head of the family. There is no doubt about that. But God chose to entrust her with such courageous task. And God knew that she would deliver it perfectly. When we talk about women, they are indeed mothers. They are more spiritually inclined and are not easily distracted. That is one thing with women. And perfectly with mothers. So many of us, it's not even like all of us, every man born of a, is born of a woman. So we must have, in one way or the other, seen the wisdom of our mom in the way they do things, in the way they apportion our uh, jobs, the way they, they, generally. When we talk about economy, economy, yeah, man, we can read all these things. We can compete, we can do all, but when it comes to practicality, women, moms, our mothers, they know much, much better. Our wives, they know what is needed at home. We men, we can go to the shop, spend some money, come back. We might bring in things that are okay, things that might be needed, might, might be needed, but not essential. Those ones we overlook that are more essential is the women, 
is the wives, is the mothers, is our sisters. They are the ones that have the eyes to see that. If you go to a home where man, the man is the one that knows what to buy, what to bring into the house, what the house is needed, what the house needed, look closely at the woman. Look closely at the wife. Look closely at the mother of the house. They have this natural gift. They have this natural duty of taking care of the home. No matter how good we are, men, there is a limit to how we can run the house, or rather the home, perfectly. Yes, we have our own responsibilities. We need to do discharge our own responsibilities. But when it comes to home, when it comes to home, we need to off our heart for the women, for our wives, for our mothers, for our sisters. It's only when I, you know, when I was growing up that I realized how my mom was feeling, you know, when being the firstborn, a boy. I, I can recall even when I was of maybe around 10 or thereabouts, she still plucked my hair. And when something kind of, maybe she was, sometimes she make this kind of expression, oh, I'm very tired. If you were a girl, I would have go and relax. And you do go in there and do the, so, Anyway, how God wants it, the firstborn was myself, boy. And as she complained, God gave him another, gave her another one, boy. She was like, ah, why not girl? Another boy came. That's three. So as she complained, another boy came. We were five boys. Anyway, but the first one came as a, myself, the second one came, my junior brother, and the third one came. That's when she was like, okay. She accepted her fate, like, okay, it's going to be uh, a boy's galore. That is when the girl came. And when the girl came, it was as if her dream has been you know fulfilled and before you know it those little those are desires for assisting her in the kitchen and all the rest of them you know taking the the uh, you know the natural responsibility for home was she introduced this girl into into that role but i can't recollect if even if she tried on my own side, on the side of my brothers, I can only say for myself, I don't know about those ones where that did. I didn't really grasp it because it was really not my thing at that time. So the women, they are very, very important. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that men are not important. No, we are created. And we have our responsibilities. And women, our mothers, our wives, and our sisters, they have their own responsibilities. And one thing is, when I say they are more spiritually inclined, they, whatever they made up their mind, it, it, it goes the way they want it. They are more skillful planner. They will plan and it will work. And if, a, if the women agree on one thing, they will fulfill it. They will accomplish it. Whatever they set their minds on, they really will accomplish it. I'm not saying men and doesn't have that quality, but it, we, it, it, it's hard for women to agree. But once they agree, there is no limit to what they can achieve. 
But men, we can agree, but we are more simple-minded. So just if we can use that word, we are more simple-minded that there are things we overlook. Things are very, very, that are very, very important. We just overlook it. But women, our moms, when I say women, I mean our God-fearing women. My brothers and my sisters, I mean my sisters in this platform, all the, all, uh, the Christians, the believers, the true believers, these women, they see things that we overlook. And that is why they are the homemaker. Like I said, no matter how good a man will be, he cannot fit in perfectly. Women in general are the homemaker. They are the homekeeper. And if you show me a loving and functional home, I will show you a loving and caring mother of the house. Show me that prosperous man, and I will show you the God-fearing woman behind it all. No matter how good a man could be at home, he cannot fit in perfectly in the roles mothers play. Likewise, no matter how good a woman could be, she cannot fit in perfectly in the roles meant for the men. In the beginning, we talk about International Women's Day. There is nothing wrong with that. But sadly, because of things that are going on, because of movement, because of equality and inequality, because of right and wrongs, men and women are busy relinquishing their natural responsibilities to each other in the name of rights and equality. And the devil really understand this and catch into it because the family home is the unit block of the society. And when the home is not in order, it reflects, it reflects in the general uh, uh, society. The chaosity in the world today is the reflection of failure of our homes, failures on the responsibilities of women. If women could go back to their natural roles, play their natural roles in the, in the home, our, it will reflect in our society. Many women are championing the cause of inequality. Everything becomes right. Everything becomes wrong. Everything becomes equal. Everything becomes inequal. And until we balance this, we will continue to see our world in, you know, declining, declining. It, from where we, what we read, the second, the, on the second, the, uh, on the 25th, the verse 20, chapter 25 of Genesis, God, when, when, I mean, Jacob, uh, sorry, Isaac prayed, for the wife to conceive and God had his prayer, but that's where it ends. But when this woman saw what was good, feel what was going inside her, she did not go to the husband for counseling, even though they might discuss it, but she went to God and said, what is going on? Why? Because he's God that package it and put there. She realized that it was the gift of God in her womb. And she decided to go back to the giver to say, what is going on? Is it right the way I'm seeing it or the way I'm feeling? And God said to her that he understood. Don't worry. 
two nations are in your womb. One will be after the other. God has planned this. And because God revealed this to her, God gave her the, the responsibility. God did not speak to Jake, did not speak to Isaac concerning this. God spoke to her because she came to her. She came to God. And God revealed this to her. And when we see this happening, she was not acting because of hatred or because she loved uh, um, Jacob more than Esau. No, she was acting because she knew the plan of God and God gave her the blueprint for what he wanted to do. And one thing, like I said, with our wives, our mothers, and our God-fearing um, women, is that they are not easily distracted. They are more spiritually inclined. Once they hook up with God, they, they are hooked. And when God gave them assignments, hardly would they deviate from it. She was not acting under the influence of her, her heart. She was not loving because the, uh, she, she has to love one. No. She loved them both completely and equally. But the thing is, there is assignment. There is something that needs to be fulfilled. And that is why the love of mother is balanced. They understand our, they understand our weak, weak points and they understand our strengths as well. They know what we need. I'm not saying fathers don't know what, what, the, house, what the home needs, but it is the women themselves that are even more closer to the children, even naturally. So when they are doing their thing, not because it's the, the way out of wickedness, like Rebecca did here, it's not because of out of we, uh, wickedness. It is out of the fear of God. She heard from, the God, from, from God and God told her, revealed to her, the plans and handed over to her the blueprint, which is the salvation. And she played her part. If she did not do what she did, who knows what would have happened? So we should not be, you know, quick to condemn her, but to understand where she's coming from to understand why she did what she has to do. It was in the plan of God. That's how God planned it. There is this man, um, this uh, elderly woman with two boys. One was very, very rich and she was even living in his house. The, whatever she needs, is provided. She never lack. But the other one has nothing. He was not rich. He even depends on the depended on the, the 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 other brother. But the difference between the two was that each time they come home, this one goes straight to his his own side. But he had he understand that he has made provision for everyone. So he just go to his own and uh, you know dine with his family, this do his own thing. But this one that doesn't have, he he is the one that always come to the mother and sit, and they will sit there, they will talk, they will gossip, 
they would not do it, the, the exchange. And what the woman needed at that, uh, at, that, at that stage was just that company, not the wealth, not the money. What she needed was somebody to talk to, somebody to share her mind, somebody to, you know, to know how she's feeling. And to her, if anything that, if something that if she was to choose who to spare in case of anything, that will be the, the one that is closer to her, the one that understands her, the one that cares for her, because to her, those monies, those wealth are nothing. The closeness was what was uh, what she needed. And there was a time, it happened that there was function that was going on. And this man, the rich one, has already been, you know, piling the stuffs, you know, the drinks and everything meant for the occasion. And when he came, he found out that all these drinks were no longer there, that this one has already consumed them. He was very, very angry. And he threatened that if he did not bring all those things back, that he's going to uh, uh, bring heaven down. This old woman fell and started crying. And her statement was, Are you, do you want to kill him because he doesn't have anything? Do you want to kill him because he's not as rich as you are? If you are to kill him, kill me first. And the man was like, am I not, uh, that is, does he mean that you don't understand what happened, what he did? Does he mean that you cannot even say sorry on his behalf? That is murder for you. Your mother will not like you or love you because of what you have. He will not love you because of what you are. Mother's love is blind. It is close, the closest love to God. It's like God's love. It's not about what you have. It's not about your strength. It's not about what you have accomplished. She has to love. Yesterday, it was quite unfortunate. I was, we went to a graveside, you know, yesterday when um, the boy was being uh, laid to rest. And I was standing just behind the mother. And the cry of that woman, you can see that it was coming from the heart. The cry was coming from the heart. Maybe the father was even crying, but he was trying to be a man. Two people feeling the same thing, but expressing it differently. That is men. And that is women. It is very, very sad that nowadays we concentrate, women concentrate more on their rights rather than their duties. They concentrate on their rights rather than their responsibilities to their children, to their home. And in doing so, a lot of things are being neglected and the society is getting worse and worse. I want to use this opportunity to call all the women to reflect on their God-given God responsibilities. Reflect 
on the roles that you are meant to play. You cannot do the work of a man and man cannot do the work of a woman. A woman cannot be replaced by man and a man can never be replaced by a woman. God in his wisdom created us that way. He made man head, not because he's better, not because he's more intelligent. In fact, when you look at it, it's the women, is the is the women that are more even intelligent. And that is when they give you the support as a man, you excel and take the glory, if that's be the case. But like the says goes, for every successful man, there is a woman behind. And not just a woman, a godly fearing woman. And that is a mother, and that is a wife, and that's a sister. And if your mom, your wife, your sisters, if they support you, there is a limit to how you can go. There is a statement here that really, really touched me. In verse 13 of 37, of 27, Genesis 27, where we read, verse 13. Jacob, and verse 11, verse 11, Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is hairy man. He's a hairy man. And I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him. And I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. Now listen to what the mother said here. Rebecca said, verse 13. But his mother said to him, let your cause be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go and get them for me. It is only a mother that can take this on herself. This is the highest self-sacrifice. This is the highest level of self-abnegation. I'm a father. I'm a man. I know the man of the way of men. We may not go to this point and you tell them you're on your own. Simple. Even don't go there. And why did Esau, why did why did Jacob love Esau? He, he has no clue about what the law, what what God said revealed to his wife. Or even if even if she even if she revealed to him, it's not a business, it's not a big deal to him. That is man for you. We are simple. Now, he loved him because of his strength. His own father was a wealthy man. This is how he reasons. His own father, Abraham, was a wealthy man. And he himself is a wealthy man. And he wants his sons to be wealthy as well, up and doing. But if you look at their lives, this one is a go-getter. He is a hunter. He's more, you know, like he's the, he has these uh, potentials to be the provider. And that's why his father loved him. And this one, he's just a layback, more of a layback man and a very lazy kind of, he like easy things. Close to the mother, even very close to the kitchen. I think for him, for him to, made stew that will even entice his brother, even uh, convince his brother to sell his birthright to him means he was a great cook. You know, he can do things that the woman, the, the mother teached him. The mother must have taught, taught him how to cook, how to be the woman, the girl that they, they didn't have. And he fit into that role. And he must have been very close to the mother, telling her this 
stories of how things go, how things move. They can sit down, gossip, do things, you know, very close, knowing how the mother feels and all the rest of them. But he was very, very clever. He was very, very clever and he pinpoints opportunity. And because of that, he was closer to the mother and the mother already knowing the, the mind of God. So, like I was saying, the father may have, I'm not saying, I don't want to, the father did not hate him. He did not despise him. But he did not value him. He did not see him as a potential replacement. He must have seen Esau as the main person. But the wife knows no better because God revealed to her. So we love differently. A father will be very, very happy when the son is doing well. If they are excelling in their educational pursuits, if they are excelling in their business, if they are excelling in their, in their, in their vocations, in their jobs, they are happy. If I'm not speaking the mind of fathers here, you challenge me. We are happy. But when things goes wrong, when they are not responding, when they are not doing the right thing, oh, it's the mother's fault. The mother is not teaching, teaching, teaching them what they're supposed to know. She's not doing what they uh, doing what she has to do. So we shift the blame to women. We shift the blame to our wives. We shift the blame to our sisters for not for not being good in the kitchen ourselves. We shift the blame. But our moms, they are they are not they are not like that. Our wives, they are not like that. Our sisters, they are not like that. She accepted responsibility. She said, whatever will happen to you, be it cause, let it be on me. And she stood by that. She sacrificed her own in order to see the happiness of the child. She sacrificed her own place in the house, in the home, in order to see that the fulfillment of God's plan was achieved at the end of the day. Even though many will look at it as, hmm, she shouldn't have done that. Both of them are the, ch are, they are the, the children. But she was tapping from the mind of God. She was tapping from the revelation given to her by God. She was not acting out of selfishness. She was not acting out of her heart desire. This is the greatest self-abnegation, the level of accepting responsibility. She said, let that cost be on me. Just do what I said. And she stood by that, knowing that if, if he did what he was asked to do, that he's going to succeed. And she knows the role she has to play. If you are here and your mom is still alive, if you are here, your wife is still alive. If you are here, your sisters are still alive. If you are here, your auntie, cherish them. They can break their neck for your sake. They can put their lives on the line for your sake. For those of us that have sisters, we can see, sometimes we see it. They display it. They display it, you see it clearly. If they say nobody will push you around, Nobody will push you around. 
But when it comes to fight, men will come out and, you know, display, do things, you know, you know, that's the word of men. But when women said enough is enough, enough is enough. I remember in my community, there was a time there was um, these um, clannish uh, fights, you know, troubles every day. The, you know, you see the youth, the men, everybody, you know, fighting, doing things were not working the way. Everything was just very bad. Things were going bad. Hatred everywhere. People are sabotaging each other. There was no love in the community. And there was these uh, divisions. I am from here. This one is from here. And this, we are talking about just a little uh, community. But there was these segregations and which brought about um, things not moving the way it's supposed to be. And the men themselves, who were the leaders, were not helping issues. They were accepting bribes. And when you come, those on the, this one will come with their own story. They will collect something from them and tell them, oh, it's okay, go. These are the elders that are supposed to guide the, the younger ones. And things keep on deteriorating. One single morning, one single morning, all the women in that village, in my, my talking about my village where I come from, all the women, from even those that could walk with a stick, all of them, before it was morning, nobody knows when they left the home. They started trekking that they were going to the uh, government house. What I'm saying is like this distance could be like from here. It's kind of one hour, one hour or one and a half hour drive. They started walking. They started walking. Both those that can walk and those that could not, that could barely walk, all of them started walking towards the government house. Because they felt that even their chiefs, their leaders, their community leaders have felt them. So they wanted to go to the, to the government house to lay their complaint and to tell them to force the government to intervene. And what happened when the men, wake up in the morning, lo and behold, none of them could find their wives. None of them, all the women vanished. I'm not, this is not something like, uh, in the, it's in around, I think that was in 1990, should be around 1994, when these things happened, 1991 or 19, I mean, 1994, 92. That's when this thing Finally, even when they were when they were discovered, because this is a very long distance, they could not. They sent cars and everything to carry them. Okay, continue on your journey because they were told to come back. They said no. Government house was the de destination, and they must hit the government house. So after so many pleadings and um, negotiation, they even accepted to accept the transportation to that government house. And when they come to the government house, the governor was already waiting for them. And they tabled their, 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 their complaint and it was carried out instantly. Whether that peace lived long or not, but they have done there. The question was, how did these women connected? How did they discuss? When did they have this meeting that did not leak? that even their husband, they did not even tell their husband, this is what we are going to do. That shows you when women are united in one, on one cause, they, they must achieve it. They must accomplish it. And to be honest with you, if it were the men that had such conspiracy or decided to do that, this one will come home and tell the wife, we are going somewhere so and so by this time prepare this and that and this and that before 
And before you know it, this woman will not take it to the to the neighbor. Oh, do you know where they are going? Before you know it, it's no longer um uh, it's, it's no longer secret. It will be in the open even before they start doing it. But when women decide this is what we are going to do, when they set their mind on something, when they set their mind on one cause, they are going to accomplish it. And they can keep secrets if it's necessary. We all are, you know, we are the product of women. It is only foolishness that can make you to despise the womb that give birth to you. I remember, I think it's um, William Shakespeare in one of the in one of the plays, I think is um, Macbeth or Macbeth, and uh, there is this um, when um, ah, I've forgotten my my sense of uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it was um, Mac, Mac, Macbeth and uh, Macduff or whatever. He said um, when they meet that that was uh, before when they were about to fight or when before he said. Um, I think he made a statement that says, "A cause be the tongue that tells you." Yeah, because it was divine to him that no man born of a woman will harm him. So, on the strength of that, he believed that nobody will kill him because he's only a man not born of a woman, and is there any man not born of a woman? But when he made he made this a uh, bank or uh, or Macduff, I don't know. He said that, uh, what he what he said was, "A cause be the tongue that tells you that Macduff was born of a woman. I was brought out from my mother's womb during oppression. If you fear, I call you a coward. But if you run, I use you as an object of caricature, and that draws him back to fight." But I look at it as time goes on. I look at these things as uh, that statement. A cause be the tongue that tells you that Macduff was born of a woman, that he was brought out from his mother's womb during oppression. But still, whether it was brought out, whether he was brought out from his mother's womb during oppression, he still was born of a woman, incubated in the womb of a woman. So there is no way around it. All of us are born of a woman. And if we don't respect, if we don't give respect to where we come from, we, don't, we cannot respect God himself. If we cannot respect our moms, we cannot respect anybody. If you are here today and you despise your moms, you despise your wife, you despise your sisters, think twice. They are very, very important. They are very, very important. If you are blessed with a mother, cherish and honor her. If you are blessed with a wife, cherish and love her. If you are blessed with sisters, daughters, cherish them. They are the potential mothers. They can break their neck for your sake. And one thing is this. Any injustice meted to them is a double injustice to us. And we should give them support at all times. Father, Lord, I thank you for how you've led us. Thank you for your words that have gone forth. Lord, I thank you for, for creating us and creating our, us, uh, giving us mothers giving us our wives, giving us our daughters, our sisters, our aunts, father. Every God-fearing woman is a potential mother. It doesn't matter the age. It doesn't matter their uh, marital status. But they are mother and making. We thank you for, your life, for their lives.
We thank you for the potentials that you laden on them. We thank you for the gifts. We thank you for the love that fills their hearts. We thank you for their angelic reasoning. Lord, we pray that you guide them. We pray that you give them wisdom. We pray that they may not be distracted. We pray, Father, that they will recognize their God-given roles and their contribution in building the society. Give us, O oh Lord, the heart to appreciate them, to strengthen them, and to love them, to respect them. Blessed be your name, O oh Lord. Thank you. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name, amen.